Welcome, all you math-minded teachers, to the Math-Minded Teachers Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Skierski from RethinkMathTeacher.com, a podcast, website, series of online courses, and Facebook group dedicated to helping you reach all of your students through quality instruction, differentiation, remediation, and effective classroom management. This is Episode 5, Give Your Students As Long As They Need. This week's episode is brought to you by my book, Reach Them All, How to Reach All Your Students Through Learning Stations. So in the book, I'm going to walk you through the process of creating skills-based learning stations so that you can target all your students based on their need. You can remediate students who need to work on a prerequisite skill, or you can accelerate your stronger students. Learn more about the book at rethinkmathteacher.com slash reach them all. That's reach hyphen them hyphen all. So a question I want to ask you as we start off, and that's how many repetitions or practices of a skill does it take for you to learn it? So we're talking about a new skill. So if I was teaching you a new skill, any skill, how many times would you have to practice it before you had mastered it? So I'm going to tell you a quick story before we come back to this, and that is a story of how I learned to surf. Now, I am a fairly athletic individual. I'm coordinated, and I'm good at most sports, but I am not good when it comes to the footwork sports, so skateboarding, roller skating, ice skating, skiing, snowboarding, and surfing. It took me a really long time to learn how to surf. Um, and I actually met my wife surfing. She was a friend of mine who was taking me out trying to teach me how to surf. And it took us a long time for me to finally get it. The same is true with snowboarding. When I learned how to snowboard, it took me way longer than most. And I had to fall down and fail a lot of times before I finally figured it out. And I remember I used to take my youth groups back when I was working at a church uh, snowboarding. And I had this group of students who were all skateboarders, and it was their first time ever going snowboarding. And they all just got on the snowboard, stood up, and they were naturals. I, on the other hand, it took me forever to learn these type of skills. Now, I love them now that I can do them, but it took me way longer than most. And I'll tell you, if we had been working or learning these skills in a whole group setting, like we do in our math classes, the teacher would have given up on me a long time ago. The whole class would have moved on to more advanced skills and I would have still been on the bunny slopes trying to learn how to stand up or stop without face planting. So back to my original question, how long does it take to learn a new skill? Well, studies show that it takes between 15 and 30 repetitions to for the average person to master a skill. Now, I tend to believe that some of us are Well, all people are naturals at some skills. So for me, math, I'm pretty natural at. I don't typically need the 15 to 30 repetitions to master it. And I believe all of us are weak at some skills. For me, I've already shared with you what it was, and it took way more than 30 repetitions for me to learn how to surf or to snowboard. And the same is true with our students. And for some of our students, the things they are not natural at is mathematics. So some of our students require way more than the 15 to 30 repetitions to master a new skill. Now that doesn't make them dumb, just like me needing more than 30 repetitions to finally surf doesn't make me dumb. It just means that this is a weakness. And for some of our students, their weakness is mastering math. And because 
of that. And because in the past, their teachers have done whole group instructions where they give the whole class those 15 to 30 repetitions and then move the whole class onto the next skill, they failed to master a lot of the skills they were supposed to because they weren't being given the amount of practice repetitions they needed. So maybe they need 50, 60, or 100 repetitions before they can finally master a concept. Well, if the teacher's only giving 30 because by then most of the class has it, then she moves on to the next skill. That student didn't master the first skill. And in math, we've talked about a lot of the skills build on each other. So if the student didn't master the first skill because she needed 60 repetitions and didn't get it, and then has moved on to the second skill, which the first skill is, a, is required to do the second skill, she can't do the first skill and she can't do the second skill, and then she's going to get progressed to the third. So the solution is to give your students the time and practice that they need for them to master the concept. You know, I still remember the day when I finally figured out how to stand up on a snowboard and go down the hill and come to a stop. It was such an exciting moment. And because I could finally do that, I had confidence or I built confidence so that I could start mastering more skills like turning and doing jumps and going down the snowboard in a different direction. So goofy foot instead of regular way. And I was able to move on to more and more complex skills because I had finally mastered that first prerequisite one. And that gave me the confidence to move on. And your students will do the same thing. Once you start giving them the ability to master a concept because you don't leave them behind, you give them all the time they need, that confidence they gain from mastering that skill will progress and will carry them into the next skill and the next. I remember um, a while ago, I was teaching one of my middle school classes and if you've listened to the podcast for a while, you know that I like to use skills-based learning stations. So I take a skill that we're working on and I break it up into the different skills that are required to do that skill. And I build a learning station for each of those prerequisite skills. And I remediate my students based on what skills they need. So for example, in this uh, illustration, we were working on adding mixed numbers. So there's a lot of skills required to add mixed numbers. You have to be able to simplify fractions. You have to be able to convert between improper fractions and mixed numbers. You have to be able to add uh, fractions. You have to be able to convert fractions to the common denominator. And so I had this one student who was really struggling with simplifying fractions, which is like the first station or the first skill needed. And she was stuck on this skill for a long time. And all of the other students were progressing on to the next skill and the next skill. And you know, I have banners around the room and I celebrate the kids and they get to put their names under the banners when they master a concept. And so all the students in the class were mastering all these concepts and they had their names all over the place. And this poor girl, it was weeks and she still didn't have her name under any banner. And she was starting to get discouraged. And I was honestly getting discouraged and beginning to wonder if this was even worth it or working. And I was providing so many interventions and partnering over students and giving her all my attention, trying to get her to grasp this concept. And then one day it just clicked. She finally, it finally made sense to her and she mastered it. And then she got to put her name on her banner and we all celebrated her and she felt that relief and that confidence from learning that skill. And then she moved on to the next skill and she was able to grasp it much quicker and then she moved on to the next skill and then the next skill. And that confidence really carried over and she quickly caught up to all of her peers in the different stations that they had been working on. So confidence really does 
build on the student's success and help them master the next concept. Not to mention, once they get that confidence, you know, they have better sentiments towards you. They enjoy their education and the learning process more. They're less likely to be a classroom management issue. All sorts of good things come from helping your students master that concept, but they're not going to be able to master it if you don't give them the time that they need. You know, if I had been teaching this student in the traditional model where everybody is given the same instruction and then the same amount of practice and then progress to this next skill altogether. If I had been doing that, she never would have mastered any of those skills. But because I differentiated my instruction, because I gave her the amount of time and practice she required to master that first concept, she was able to find success. And I didn't penalize her for taking longer than the rest of the class. Now, when I share this with teachers, the most common objection I am met with, almost always, is the teacher will respond that if I do it like this, I'm not going to get through the entire curriculum. And that's true. You're not going to get through the entire curriculum with all of your students. But there are a hundred answers I could give you as to why that's okay and not necessary in every circumstance. Uh, so I'll give you just a couple. First, what do you think is of greater value? For the student to learn some of the curriculum, but not see all of it, or for them to see all of it and learn very little of it? On getting that student I referenced through the entire curriculum, I could have. She could have been exposed to all of the curriculum, but she wouldn't have understood any of it. She still couldn't even simplify fractions. So what was the purpose in exposing her to all these more advanced skills when she wasn't ready for that? And the second answer I'll give you is what's our focus? Is our focus getting through the curriculum or is our focus for our students to have growth? The reason we're getting these students who are coming to us in these upper grades who are you know, very far behind, sometimes years behind, is because their teachers have been exposing them to the entire curriculum without mandating that they master any of it. So this whole group pacing leaves your weaker students behind and then they never get an opportunity to catch up. So let me give you one more thing to ponder with this objection to getting through the entire curriculum. Look at your students. All of them probably were exposed to most, if not all of the curriculum the previous year. Yet I'm quite confident that the majority of them did not master most of it. And I'm also confident that there are a lot of skills that they were supposed to have learned or need to know from the previous year that they still don't. And so that's why you're struggling to teach them what you're trying to teach them because they didn't master the previous concepts. So why are we advocating that? Why are we advocating exposing them to so much curriculum and then moving them on when they're not mastering it. The goal should be mastery. And this goes back to what we were talking about in a previous episode. We're not expecting our students to master the concepts we're teaching anymore. We're expecting them to be exposed to the curriculum. And there's not a lot of value in being exposed to things when you're not mastering them or understanding them. So I'm not going to belabor this point any further. I just want to say that there is greater value in giving your students the time that they need to master the skills than there is in exposing them to every skill they're supposed to see in the entire curriculum. It's okay if you don't get through the entire curriculum. 
what you need to be focusing on is growth. And that goes back to that growth mindset we were talking about. And again, for you public school teachers, I've been doing this for a while with the skills-based learning stations and giving my students as long as they need and not exposing them to the entire curriculum. And my test scores are really good. And that's because my students are truly grasping the material as opposed to just being exposed to all of it. So let's move on. How do you give them as much practice as they need? And this is a legitimate concern, especially if you're stuck in the traditional teaching model mindset. Because if Johnny needs lots of practice on a skill and Billy doesn't, how can I accommodate both? Well, I've already told you what I do. I build skills-based learning stations. And then I put the students in that station so that they can work on the skill that they need to work on until they have mastered it. So in my story of the female student who was struggling to simplify fractions, she stayed in that learning station on simplifying fractions where she was being given instruction and practice problems with immediate feedback while the other students were working on different skills inside of different learning stations. And no one was slowed down on account of her needing more time, but she also wasn't left behind or forced to move on to the next concept when she wasn't ready. So how do I build skills-based learning stations? How do I implement them in my class so that I am accommodating all my students, I'm differentiating my instruction based on my students' needs? Well, I'm glad you asked because this episode is brought to you by my book, Reach Them All, which accomplishes exactly that. In the book, I'm gonna walk you through the process of how to create skills-based learning stations, what you're supposed to put inside them, how you can give that immediate feedback, how you can set up the stations so that the students aren't dependent upon you for the tutorial component. They actually learn it inside the station and that way each station is not dependent upon you. And the book's also gonna walk you through how to implement them and how to use them and what each class period is gonna look like once you're using them. So the book is Reach Them All. You can find it at rethinkmathteacher.com slash reach hyphen them hyphen all. And I will give you a second shameless plug and that is the master course I've been talking about, how to create and use learning stations. When you go to that course, it is a paid course, you get a free copy of the book and it is the same material, it's just a little more in-depth, it's a little more hand-holding, it's a video instead of a book, but you do get a copy of the book. So you can learn about both at rethinkmathteacher.com slash learning stations. Again, that's rethinkmathteacher.com slash learning stations. Okay, guys, that's going to do it for this episode. I hope these words have taken heart. I hope you see the value in giving your students as much time as they need so that they can master the concepts being taught. And I hope you start using learning stations in your class to do that. I hope to see you in the next episode. Have a good one.